You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome back to an all-new episode of Surf Splendor. Um, Quick word of business before we get into the show. If you like this show, the best way that you could support it is just by sharing it with a friend. So as long as people are listening, we'll keep producing shows. And uh, it really seems to have been working because the numbers have been steadily growing. We've had some big spikes lately, and we certainly haven't advertised it in in any way other than just real kind of tame social media attack and and producing the show. And it's just kind of grown organically. So thrilled with the growth, and I really appreciate you sharing it. But, um, But yeah, please continue to do so for all the new listeners. So anyways, moving on. Normally we update... Um, with new episodes every other Monday, and we're gonna maintain that schedule. Next Monday, I'm working on I'm working on an episode for next Monday that is um, about surf filmmaking, and we got a couple of interviews that'll be featured. But one of them is with Joe Alani from Lost, who's currently producing that Gone uh, Gone to Cabo series. Here Today, Gone to Cabo, I think is the name, which has been pretty controversial. It's kind of featuring Ward, Chris Ward, and Mason Ho. And then last episode, prominently featured Matt King, which was the controversial one. So we're going to talk about that and the legacy of Lost and and their filmmaking, um, which is always really interesting. And I grew up on it. So that's a great show that you can look forward to next Monday. But I wanted to bring you this bonus episode uh, today. And... The reason why I'm doing it as a bonus episode is just that it's a real different format than what I normally do, and the format is current hot topics going on in the surf industry right now. So there's a gentleman named Scott Bass who has a podcast. He actually had a show on terrestrial radio in San Diego for five years, and it's called Down the Line Surf Talk Radio. And so once that ended its run on terrestrial radio... He then transitioned it into a podcast, and I've listened to it over the years. It is specifically, you know, surf topics and surf news that he discusses, and so I contacted him and I said, hey man, I'm doing my own thing, but I really want to incorporate this as kind of maybe an ongoing show. Maybe we'll do it every month on Surf Splendor, covering surf news, because, you know, I like talking surf with my friends, and... um And I think this is just a representation of that to a larger market. And so hopefully you enjoy this. Uh, If you do, let me know. If you don't, let me know, and I won't do it anymore. But I'm going to continue producing the other style of program that is, um, you know, profile pieces and storytelling. So we'll continue doing that, but we'll introduce this as just a bonus episode. So it's me and Scott Bass. We're simulcasting the episode, so it's going out to Surf Splendor which you're listening to now, and then it's also going to go out to his fan base, which again is Down the Line Radio. So if you want to follow him and listen to his show, search for Down the Line Radio. I know it's available on iTunes. So um, 
that's all the business, and uh, I'll just let let our comp- Scott and my conversation run through. So uh, enjoy. All right. Talk to you soon. Down the line, Surf Talk Radio, Scott Bass and David Lee Scales with you here on our Surf Talk podcast. It is August 30th. It's a beautiful, hot, very warm Friday, and uh, we have a little bit of south swell in the water. I know, David, um, first of all, let me say uh, thanks for coming and being a part of this show, and I'm excited to be a part of your show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your show? Thanks. So, actually, we're going to simulcast this program, so it'll be the same program running on both of our podcast feeds. Um, basically mine's called surf splendor. It's quite different than Scott's. It's, um, more geared towards storytelling basically. So a lot of profile pieces with industry professionals and surfers and shapers and that sort of thing runs about an hour and it's real conversational. Um, but not, not news, you know, and not surf current topics. And so that's why I wanted to get involved with Scott and with this and, um, try to introduce something new to my program, and I think Scott's doing a great job. So here we are. We found ourselves together. Cool. That, well, first of all, let me say thanks for reaching out and, and suggesting this idea. I think it'll be fun. We'll see where it takes us. And um, at the very least, we are both going to be doing what, what it is we want to do, which is just talk surf with, with each other and with the public, and we'll see where it takes us. Yeah. Do you have a contact information where people can reach Definitely. your podcast and... and Definitely. What's the name of it again? It's Surf, it's Surf Splendor. Surf Splendor, yeah. Yeah, and it's the website has everything, of course. So yeah. it's surfsplendorpodcast.com. On Instagram and social media, it's at Surf Splendor. So you can find us there. Um, the program's audio, but I do film most interviews and then post snippets of each interview on the website. It's actually on YouTube, so you can find it on YouTube, but it's all housed on the website as well. So... Um, while the podcast is audio, it's like there's additional show media that's always on the website. And oftentimes, like we did an episode with um, the art and business of surf photography with Aaron Chang and Morgan Mawson. And their photos, you know, are very relevant to the podcast. So that's something that we could post online that people could see. Instagram them out, that sort of thing. Sure. So Cool. Yeah. Well, I've been to your website and yeah. it's very professional. And quite frankly, when you reached out to me and I went and visited your site, I was like, okay, you know, you know, we sort of passed the first test. This guy's definitely more professional than I am. You know, like I was like, oh, this guy's got his shit together, you know. So I was stoked. And uh, yeah, yeah. We'll Thanks. see where it takes us. Thanks a lot. Um, if you'd like, well, real quick, I'll just say, um, you know, my show, Downline Surf Talk Radio. Um, and I think uh, downthelineradio.com is my website. Okay. And uh, You think that's the website? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Told you, you were more professional. Go- Google it. Yeah. it. Downline Surf Talk Radio. Or no, it's downlineradio.com. Okay, there you go. It is that. I'm pretty sure of that. Cool. Yeah. Um, Do you want to intro some, some topics? Yeah, or? so basically the format for my listeners that um, it's normal format for Scott, but it's new to us. This is, you know, surf news, basically. talk The hot topics that are going on in the surf industry right now. Um, and we've got five topics that we're going to discuss. I think... We should probably just kick it off with talking about the WCT rankings, right? Sure. That's it's a surf show. That's the sure. most relevant. Um, we're coming off of the Billabong Pro in Tahiti. We're in between stops right now. We're about two weeks out from lower trestles. So how's your fantasy team looking? 
Uh, well, I'm glad you brought it up. I did just change my fantasy team yesterday knowing okay. that you were coming down. And, um, you know, when I think about trestles, I, I think about, look, it's such a skate park. It's the type of wave that it's kind of like macaronis or, mm-hmm. um, or even Karamas where it's such a great wave for performance surfing that you really see the great surfers separated from the really good surfers, you know? So in general, if you look back on the history of the perfor- the results at, at uh, Trestles, you, you know, you always see Kelly at the top. Right. And, you know, I hate to sound sort of um, simplistic, but you always get the top 10 guys at the top. So my fantasy team sort of represents that. It's, yeah. it's, it's Kelly and Dane Reynolds and um, John John Florence and, um, you know, these types of guys that are all, Julian Wilson, just top of the game, top guys that are going to be in the air, that are going to, Kolohe and Dino, the local kid. Sure. So it's sort of the, the go-tos. There's no surprises on my team other than maybe Dane Reynolds because he's a wild card. And he's but cheap. For, yeah. He's cheap. Yeah. So for whatever, million five or whatever, right. throw him into the mix because he's proven himself. If he's going to do good, he'll, he'll usually do good there. So For sure. Uh, you know what I was thinking, too, is... Ace Buckin tends to do well out there. Like, he's kind of a sleeper, and you don't think of his name. But when you look back at the results, he's making quarters. He's made semis before. And I don't know what his price is. He's probably gotten more expensive coming off of the win. But it's like, that might be a sleeper pick. You know? That's interesting. A couple things about Ace that I feel is that, um, one, it could be sort of a, a sophomore slump, for lack of a better phrase. You know, he just had this mm-hmm. big win, and he's got. You know, he's kind of like yeah. the deal right now. And yeah, it yeah. could be that... He feels it a little bit. Right. Now, maybe not. He's he's not a rookie, so he's dealt with this type of pressure before. So it could be um, that he handles it. But I sort of look at it like, really, is Ace going to do well two times in a row? Right. Who does well two times in a row? Um, Kelly, Todd, or Kelly, Mick, Joel. Those guys always seem to be in the quarters no matter what. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. Ace going to be in the quarters two times in a row? Maybe. Yeah. You know, it's certainly, it's certainly not one to shy away from. But I'll tell you the guy that I have that throughout the year, um, my old, my co-host, Baldy, who just hasn't been around, we've always had an ace and a Nat Young thing. Yeah. Where he's like the ace guy, and I've been going Nat Young, Nat right, Young, me Nat too. Young. So I'm staying on the Nat Young horse. Right. Yeah, I picked up Nat Young at the beginning of the season, and I'm glad that I did. I kept him on. I think I've had him on the entire time, and the only time he didn't deliver, obviously, was Tahiti. So definitely, yeah. that's a good pick. Yeah, that's that was a bummer for us, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was for sure. Um, so I think that the rankings are worth discussing because – there's a scary kind of bottom end of the rankings right now for yeah. a lot of guys. Once sure. you get down to like Bead Bead Durbich sitting in twentieth. Yeah. You know, it's like Bead, Wilco, Travlogi, Kaloe, Sippo. Like those are guys that you're just used to having on tour. And it's kind of uh I don't know if it's a scary thing that they may not be there next year or if it's a good thing. You know, I might ask you to backpedal a little bit and maybe tell the listeners if you know, because I really, I I don't have a firm handle on it, but we take the top 20 and then we fill in the the other 12 with new guys from the um, world tour rankings, right? Or not the world tour rankings, but the world rankings. I'm not fully dialed in on how it's working right now either. I think that's what it is. Okay, yeah. So, because you grab number 20, so um, from 20 down, they're sketching. They're kind of in a bad place, perhaps. All I know is those guys are headed to Portugal right now to do a star event. That so that's kind of... That says a lot. That's yeah. what, you know... <laughs> Although, the way it's been so crappy here. Yeah, that's maybe true. Maybe that makes sense, but... But how do you feel about that? I mean, those are names that I love seeing on tour, and it's like... Yeah, you know, that's funny that you say that. I've always been like, you know what? 
Do I need to see Brett Simpson? Do I is is Brett Simpson must must watch TV? No. Kelly Slater's must watch TV for me. Dane Reynolds is. Nat Young is now. You could argue maybe Ace is. For sure, all of the big hitter guys are. For me personally, Brett Simpson, Travis Logie. They're great under they're great underdogs. Yeah. Especially Travis Logie. He'll come on and all of a sudden be in the final and you're like, where did he come from? But um to me, I kind of look at it like, am I going to be entertained? You know, hmm. if well, let me ask you this. If I, certainly the argument could be made, Sippo's underperformed, right, in the last year or two. When he's on point, are you then engaged or, or no? Uh, it's a little vanilla. I mean, I am, like, when he won the two U.S. Opens, I was just super, I was all about Brett Simpson. I was really stoked for him and yeah, yeah. still stoked for him. I, I, he's actually a great interview and a super nice guy. And sure. He's very professional, and I think he does a lot for the sport. He's good for the sport. Yeah. Um, but he just sort of falls in that very good category, not like ultra yeah. great. You know okay. what I mean? Where like the Gadowskis are, and a lot of these guys are just, yeah, are they, to, compared to you and I, they're exceptional surfers. But compared to the top in the world, right. you know, the real cream of the crop, there's a bunch of Brett Simpsons. Yeah. You know, I hate to say it. Yeah, you yeah. Know? I mean, right. That's So let me ask you this. Sitting right ahead of him, actually tied for 22nd in the rankings, is Kaloe Andino. Um, how do you feel about Kaloe? Well, I've, um, I'm not sure about Chloe. I think for sure he's gotten stride, way, you know, way more than he did yeah. last year, right? Yeah. And um, is he a rookie this year? Or was last year? No. Yeah, not a rookie this year. So his rookie year, he had a problem, and then this year he seems to have kind of he seems to be finding himself. And um, I think for him, it's a matter of size and weight. You know, it's like when you look back previous years, low, uh, lowers clips of him, he's ripping. But you're like, it's not Dane. And what is the difference? Because they both just did big wraps and big air reverses. So what's the difference? And really, I think it's weight and power. And uh, I feel like he's kind of crossed over that hump now. And maybe it's just us mentally being able to make, notice that difference. Like this isn't the Kaloe of old. This is kind of a new gear that he's found. Um, I'm afraid for him it lowers he's going to suffer from what Gabriel Medina suffers from, which is we expect you to do three big wraps and a huge air reverse. And if you come short of that, you're going to get a six or less. Whereas if Kieran Perot did the same thing, they'd give him a nine, five. You know what I mean? And the same thing goes for Gabe Medina. It's like blow our minds. Otherwise we're not going to give you a score. Um, and unfortunately, Unfortunately, that's unavoidable. You know, for the judges, it's unavoidable. For us fans and spectators, you just, you expect to see something out of him because we've seen it a hundred times before, or yeah. a thousand times from him. Yeah, that's so. good stuff. A couple things. What you're talking about speaks to the subject, subjective nature, obviously, of judging and of our sport, which has its problems. Um, I agree with you. I think there's only good things in Chloe's horizon, his future. For sure, for sure. You know, he, he sort of, as... As we all know, he sort of had that first year where he was almost overprotected. He had 15 coaches and 10 people telling him what to eat. Right. And it was like, and then you look at like Nat Young, who, who he doesn't have any posse, he, and he's a rookie. Yeah. And he's killing it. Yeah. And so you say to yourself, okay, there's some maturity thing. And maybe with Kaloe, he they needed to kind of, he, I think he probably went, you know what, leave me alone. Let me just go surfing. Yeah. Because sometimes with his surfing, I sense that it's real predictable. Sure. And where there isn't, like with Dane Reynolds and Nat and a lot of guys, you sense that there's some, there's some flair. Agreed. You know, there's some sense that 
I'm just out here having fun and I just happen to do it really good. Whereas mm -hmm. with Kolohe, sometimes perhaps you get the feeling that he's got so many people breathing down his neck, coaches and so forth, going, dude, you got to do it like this, this tight, in the arc here, that he gets a little bit too technical maybe in his own mind and what he's supposed to do. Instead of just go surfing, dude. Mm -hmm. If you just go surfing, you're going to be great. Like when we see him free surfing lowers, you're like, holy mackerel, this right. kid's insane. Put on a jersey and get the posse around him and maybe he had too much. And I think that he shed that now. And there, again, there's only good things on the horizon for yeah. him. Yeah, that's a good point. This stuff is getting me jacked. Am I talking? Yeah, we're fast drinking fast? this Herba Mate right now. I've never had it before, but geez Louise. <laughs> I'm just rambling. I'm right coming now. off a cup of, this is perfect for the show. You it want is. energy, so yeah, gotta keep this in mind. It's true. Um all right, who else on the rankings is interesting right now? I think Kai Otten moved up a couple spots probably, so he's feeling good. Yeah. Michelle Berez. You know, I've always been um a fan of I I think there's too many guys on the tour because mm. I'm all about what do we want to see? Like, I would much rather see man on man, like a man, like a boxing match, like Ali versus Larry Holmes. Yeah, yeah. You know, where so we're like Kelly versus whoever, yeah. you know, of course, that's, you know, that's sort of being, I don't know, that's, that's, that's not going to happen. That's just not being realistic. But yeah, um, I could, you know, I look at the bottom 12 and I'm like, whatever, just put in some new guys. I'd rather see some fresh blood. Do I really need to see... Rayoni Montiero again in another heat. Am I going to give a crap? Seriously. Yeah. I mean, maybe if I'm from Portugal, I'm into it, you know, and I want because he's my guy Brazil. or whatever, but is he Brazilian? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, Tiago's. So, and Tiago, here's another example, you know. For sure. Um, they're good, though. I mean, every yeah, nation yeah, yeah. needs their guy, but yeah. for me personally, you know, I I don't know. I, you know, maybe I want to see Kanoa Igarashi or somebody. I, yeah. I'm you, just. You know what's heavy is. Glenn Hall being injured. Like, the guy fought so long to get on tour, gets KO'd after the fourth event, I think it was, or in the fourth event, and the wild card, the injury wild card is going to be super competitive, obviously, between him and um, Freddie and who else? John John, he'll be fine. He'll qualify. But there's multiple guys that are going to be vying for that wild card, and Glenn might not get it. And he fought so hard to get on tour. He surfed four events and he's out. You know, when we look at the bottom half and, and we're talking about him now, I think this is going to, um, I think what, what really needs to happen is that the new ASP needs to show us who these people are. They need to develop these characters for us. Like if I knew, if, if I had some personal insight, like, um, like that guy on NBC Sports that does like these in-depth things yeah. where you get to know the athlete. And you're like, right. oh, wow, really? I didn't know he had a sister with a broken arm forever or whatever. Yeah, now yeah. I like him. Right. You know what I mean? So I think if the new ASP does their job and develops stories and excavates personalities from the entire tour, it's going to make you and I go, hey, you know what, Tiago, I like that guy, actually. I didn't know that his dad fought in World War II or what, you know, whatever the story is, you know. Yeah. I'm hoping that that's what the new ASP does is sort of help us as a fan base understand who the rest of these guys well, are. Otherwise, I'm just going to be like Kelly, Dane, you know, Julian, just the top ten or whatever. Well, is that the ASP's job or is that is. the sponsor's job? No, I think I think it's the ASP's job. I think it's the job of of the of that body to provide us with entertainment. And mm. um, I think in the past it was the sponsor's job, but I think the way the new ASP is, their whole thing is, it's kind of like the NFL. Isn't it the NFL's job to sort of excavate stories about defensive linemen that we might not know about, Michael or the offensive lineman for the Baltimore Ravens? I don't know. I mean, I don't think it is. I think that the NFL's job is to make a fair playing field for everybody 
to compete against each other. And then it sounds, I'm not familiar with the example that you gave, but it sounds like maybe CBS is the one who's doing the investigative reporting. You know what I mean? You're absolutely right. And so I think ASP stay away from, um, emotions, you know, and stay away from trying to influence people's opinion about the backstory and just let the guy shred. And the less the judges know about the guys, the better. Unfortunately, there's no way to keep them protected like a juror or something. But, um, I agree that I'm super interested in the storyline. And I think that's kind of what I'm trying to do with the podcast thing is like magazines have limitations, you know what I mean? And even video pieces have limitations. This format allows us to really unpack things and discuss. And so I would like to see more investigative journalism like that, or just, uh, story pieces or, or more human interest pieces, because I do care. You know, I would love to get to know Tiago, yeah, and I that's know all he's I'm the saying. Portuguese prince. And, and you're right, maybe Tell it, me isn't, about it. Maybe it isn't ASP. Yeah. And, and if, but so when you look at when I look at it, and I think you know what, David's right. It's actually the the broadcast partners of the mm-hmm. NFL that have excavated these right. stories. So what they need to do is then team up with broadcast partners, Correct. which they're doing. Right. And and those people will be good enough, we hope, to create and excavate stories to and for us to learn more about these personalities. Build interest yeah. so that the ASP then gets. The eyeballs. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally what needs to happen. Um, cool. So ASP rankings, I think we're clear with that topic, right? You want to move on? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, look, we've got, what, one, two, three events, four events left, something like with that? With Trestles, I think four. One, Trestles, two in Europe, one in Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. So there's four events left. It's about two-thirds over, you could say, and... Um, you know, somebody I read, somebody wrote off John John that he couldn't win a world title this year, but I don't know, man. He could blow up at Trestles, get shacked out of his brain and two legs in Europe, and then come to Pipeline and win it. No, I mean, he's got two. I hope he's close. He's, I hope John John's close during the Pipe Masters. I hope it, you know, it'll be fun if he's in the mix. He's sitting in 14th. He's got two injuries, so those are going to be the throwaways. He's got a 13th and a 9th right behind that. So he'll have to what win if he an does event se- or two? What if he does semis or better? The next three events. I'm sure mathematically it's possible. Yeah. You know? But um, I would a third and a first. Dude, I wouldn't write him off. Let's put it that <laughs> way. Yeah, that would be fun. And I'm a huge fan, so I'd, yeah. I'd be into it, yeah. you know? But um, but I have a feeling that Kelly and Mick and Fanning, Mick and uh, Joel and Jordy are all doing their best to make sure that doesn't happen. You yeah. Know? Yeah, I would agree. And they're pretty well equipped to, to make it not happen. So. Um, yeah, I think that's that's good. You want to talk about Alana? Sure. <laughs> Love to Let's talk do about it. Alana. This will be a part of the show where visuals would aid. So come to the website. We'll post post the T-Mobile commercial, you know? Yeah. Um, some backstory. Yeah. You know, David sent me an email about, hey, Alana Blanchard, did you see the T-Mobile commercial? I hadn't seen it. I just saw oh, okay. it. I just watched I it. And, um, you know, basically it's got Alana on a boat with two really gorgeous sort of black ops um, partners, gorgeous women, and they're in black wetsuits, and they're setting up, and basically they're doing a, um, you know, they're doing a briefing for a covert op, and they're setting up Alana, and she unzips her gorgeous wetsuit, and we see her gorgeous body in a bikini, and and it's definitely a play on gorgeous and Charlie's Angels, and um, you know, I, I've been reading some stuff online about the commercial and about Alana in general, and she she you know she draws a, either a lot of praise or a lot of ire, depending mm-hmm. I guess on which side of the fence you're on. Um, I've always said Alana Blanchard 
should have her own brand. She's like Anna Kornikova. Right. You know, she should be having Alana calendars. If she was really smart, she would move away from Rip Girl because obviously they're just riding her, their, her coattails. Sure. Now, you know, maybe that's too much. I don't know. But, I mean, it's kind of like you only got a little window. Alana's going to have a window for, you know, a couple more years and then it's over. And there's going to be a new Alana just like there was a new Anna Kornikova. Yeah, in my mind, there already are a couple. See, <laughs> see what I mean? It's already we won't name names, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, you know. So let me ask you this: before we unpack what society thinks of it, what it, what's your thoughts on the commercial? Um, my thoughts on it are: it's campy. It's a little. It's it's so campy that it's okay. You know, like I wasn't put off by the fact that maybe they made surfers look bad. And I sometimes ask myself, why do I even care if somebody makes surfers look bad? Is that because I identify so heavily as a surfer that I'm concerned about what other people think of me? And if that's the case, because I used to be that way. I used to be really like, hey, they're making surfers look bad. That's right. lame. And now I'm kind of like, why do I even care? I can still go surfing right now and it won't matter one bit of difference of what the general pop culture thinks of us as a group known as surfers. Yeah. So I kind of don't care anymore. It's all water under the bridge for me. I thought it was a little campy. Is it, um, it was so corny that I thought it was okay. I think they realized it was really corny, you know? Yeah. Was her acting any good? Well, probably as good as you or me could do. We're not professional yeah. actors, either is she. Um, and I think that, you know, there was some stuff online about, oh, some girls chiming in saying, I'll never buy a Rip Curl bikini. And I'm kind of thinking, you know what? I don't think she sells bikinis for Rip Curl. I think she sells guys' clothes. I think Absolutely. guys go and buy Rip Curl wetsuits and Rip Curl stuff based on Alana Blanchard. I bet Absolutely. she sells way more guys' stuff than she does girls' stuff. That's yeah. my take. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. I think people are stupid. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like so much hatred out there and vitriol for this thing. And it's like, like, Is there's, awards there's better <laughs> things to get angry about yeah. than a, like, seriously. And who's not watching it? I'm watching it. You're watching it. We're all talking about it. Like, 
what's the deal with all the the hatred, you know? Yeah. And um, and I also think maybe you know maybe this is controversial too, but I think money is good. Like the more money flowing into the sport or Alana's pocket, the better. And the more eyeballs on it, I, I know that's not entirely true in certain aspects, but but if she could make more money and she could help build her brand and build visibility and awareness to the sport, the surfers are going to make more money ultimately. The photographers are going to make more money. The filmmakers, the magazines. It's like, I like that it is this niche culture that we're a part of. And I think that there always will be that sect of it. But I think it's totally okay to bring in mainstream money. I think it's inevitable. I think it's going to happen. And so let Alana be a part of it. Let her line her pockets and let her pave the way, you know? And it's like, if she does it, then sooner we will all be able to benefit from it. And I just, I'm a fan of surfing at the end of the day. And if that means I get to see more surf content because there's more money flowing into it, the Red Bull 21 Days series that they just did with Jordy and CJ. Did you watch that? Was that where they went to Tahiti? It was a three-part web series that like 15-minute video clips. And it started out in Huntington Beach leading up to the U.S. Open and culminated right before the Tahiti event. Three episodes. I think they released them every, every week or something. It was so well produced and it has a lot of that story development that we're talking about yeah. and human interest and yeah. it's like CJ doesn't have a main sponsor and he has to rent out his house in Florida now, Yeah, you know, and he's just like, if he makes the quarters, he breaks even. If he doesn't, it's costing him money to be there. So I just, Couple things like, you've really created some. So that, that, the production quality of that alone was so valuable to me and I just super enjoyed it and it's like, man... If it means money flowing into the business means that I get to watch more really good content like this, it means that I got to pay $15 for what youth, but man, that's a great publication. Then, you know, then I'm going to spend the extra 15 bucks to buy that magazine. And so I think Alana, it's controversial, but T-Mobile is definitely getting a return on their money. Surfing's get to, getting to line their pockets well, a little bit. Well, what's the controversy? I mean, really, what is the controversy? The controversy is using female surfers, sex, branding, brand, sex, yeah, branding them as sexual right, objects right. rather than for their right. talents. Right. Dude, I don't think that Carissa Moore has branded herself as a sexual object. I don't think that Lakey Peterson has. And quite frankly, Carissa Moore isn't. And that's no, okay, and they're too. shredding. Them. And that's okay, too. Yeah. But Alana is. Right. So let her do what exactly. she is. I mean, would, would it be worse if we had her, you know, growing underarm hair and, like, dressing down and being grumpy and, you know, like, not being who she is? She's a beautiful young girl that surfs really good and more power to her. In, in episode three of Surf Splendor, I talked to Morgan Mawson, and he was making a comment about Kelly Slater, Steph Gilmore are beautiful people. They happen to have a multitude of world titles under them, which is a real gr great platform for them to have, you know, this superstardom. But beautiful people are interesting, and it's undeniable. That's why the Kardashians are killing it, you know? Yeah. And so, um, so why deny it? Why try to pretend like it's something else? It's like, no, we all like looking at Alana. Uh, and the other chicks that I mentioned on tour are shredding, and they're the ones who are going to win world titles. And Alana's actually, to her credit been ripping this year she's surfing way better than i've ever seen her surf so kudos to her but it's like if that's part of your game is your sexuality use it yeah you know um so i 
the Kardashians reminded me of something. Have you seen um, those coffee girls out of Australia? Ellie Jean Coffee, and there's like... No, let me Google that. Okay. <laughs> I just, I noticed, I saw, I think it was on Stab or something, they have more more Instagram followers and Twitter followers than like anybody. And I guess if you're from Australia, you would know this. We're yeah. so egocentric. Yeah. I don't think we've identified it yet, but they're getting a reality show. They're going to be the surfing Kardashians is what I read about them. And they're beautiful and they're young girls and they do post tons of selfies on Instagram. Um, but again, you know, it's like, I'm not bothered by that. I'll watch whatever they're selling. I'd be more interested to watch that than the Kardashians. Yeah. You know? So I'm not against it. Yeah, it's funny, you know. Um, I, I was reading this thing by Chaz Smith on on Surfing Magazine, basically about this. It was about this. It was about the T-Mobile commercial, mm -hmm. and he basically said that he was ha he usually doesn't have a problem when pop culture and our culture collide, and he lets it kind of water off his back like we're like we're doing right now. But for some reason, he did have um, concern for this particular um, commercial, and that it just made us, in his opinion, just seem so wrong you know for deep down in his heart it was something got to him about this and, and again I, I sort of echo what you're saying it's like look it is what it is it has nothing to do with me catching a wave in 15 minutes and that's really what i'm all about i just want to go surf and enjoy the ocean and all the other periphery is just that it's periphery and it can't dictate how i identify myself i i didn't read chaz smith's thing but in the most kind of literal um, translation from what you just said, I would say deep down in me, there's a Christian raised boy who also notices, Hey man, this is wrong. This is sexual and it shouldn't be used. And it's, but on top of that, there's 30 years of maleness that is built up and it's like, Hey man, this is super interesting. You know what I mean? So I think well, I don't think he meant it was wrong on a moral, on a, yeah, on like a, a Judeo-Christian yeah, yeah, um, yeah. level. He was more that that as a surfer, he was offended that the rest of the general populace is going to see us in this vein. I think is why he was bummed out. I understand that, but it's kind of the same thing. Like deep down, you have this idealistic core that man, I have my ideals and I want to stick to my ideals. But hey, dude, this is the real world, and sex sells, and let's move forward. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, so. Um, anyways, we'll post all that stuff on the website, surfsplendorpodcast.com. If you want to come check out the video, I'm sure you've already seen it, but <laughs> I'm sure you Googled it while you were listening this to us. This brings us real quick to Anastasia Ashley's twerking oh, video. Oh, I forgot about that. Which I don't want to spend too much time on, but I will say this, that she was so good at it yeah. that I felt like there was some genuine, sincere, it seemed like it was a sincere, uh, display of who she was like it didn't seem like she was putting on airs or that she was doing it for anyone else now granted she was in front of thousands of people and so that i could be wrong i just saw sort of the little window that the video showed me yeah but um i i gotta say there was a moment where i thought you know what she's just genuinely this person and this wasn't like some act but maybe i'm a way off base fill me in david I, I, set me straight i think she knows what she's selling yeah you know she knows that's her gimmick, and you, if you go to her website, that's her gimmick. Yeah. And uh, but did so, you see her actual moves? She looked oh, man, like she's, she's done good. that before. She is good. <laughs> she's <laughs> definitely good. I've seen a few twerking videos in my day. Hers was among the you top. You didn't see her in your last trip to Vegas, did you? No, I did not. But I will say, I emailed her about an interview for an upcoming show that I'm doing. Yeah. And haven't heard back yet, unfortunately. So any listeners out there have the direct line to Anastasia. 
tell her she needs to get a hold of us. And I've interviewed her before, yeah. and she's, uh, as I recall, um, and this was years ago, um, she wasn't the best interview, but all that could, you know, I'm sure she's matured a lot. So yeah, so. yeah. Cool. Um, what's next? How about buttons? Let's shift gears. Yeah. Um, buttons Kalui Okalani has lung cancer. I just um, got off the phone with a good friend of mine. Oh, really? Who spoke with his wife. Okay. And he has stage four lung cancer, which is the gnarliest. St- there is no stage five. This okay. is where it's mastocized. It's spread throughout his system, and it's moving into other organs. Wow. Um, I'm not a doctor, so I may have, um, you know, misspoke somewhere in there. Sure. But But um, it's pretty bad. It's... Obviously, there's four stages, one being, you know, the better of them, and he's at stage four. And, of course, I know I can speak for David, you know, and the rest of the world. We're all saddened by this, obviously. And, um, you know, my thing with Buttons is I always, to me, Buttons, he always um, sort of epitomized this uh, this intersection of just this big smile and the sunny days and and uh, just a carefree, he really... Ex- uh, he really exuded like a youth, a sense of youthful innocence that surfing, that we all sort of know exists around surfing. And to me, Buttons sort of was that thing, like where it's like, let's just grab my board and go surf some blue water and woo, and let's have fun. And we're loosey goosey and it's big smiles and it's aloha. And he always has represented that to me because I, you know, I saw Buttons when I was a kid in many classic moments, which was like back then you went to the La Paloma to see a surf movie and and it was a big deal. And so it, it has, I think for my generation, you know, I'm mid 40s. I think um, Buttons really kind of, he really sort of epitomizes and, and is that vision of just carefree youth and surfing. And so, you know, this really, for me, it really hits home. Do you have any Buttons stories? Um, no, you know, he's come to a couple sacred crafts. Uh, I've never met him or, or run into him. I've, I've seen him at my show, but I've never had a chance to meet him. Um, I did just go onto his Facebook page and just say, hey, man, you know, you know, we're thinking about you. It's kind of, you know, you don't know what to say in these situations. But... The doctors are not, according to what I learned today, the doctors are sort of like, dude, stage four, nothing we can do for you. Right. And he and his wife are obviously in deep um, spiritual prayer of some sort. And they're also looking into, um, I don't know if the term's naturopathic or homeopathic, but they're looking into alternative medicines. Yeah. And and there's a lot of doctors out there. So... To give some more details about the story, um, Buttons doesn't have health insurance. He has 10 children. Two of them are under the age of five. So um, he's got a pretty big burden to carry, and this is obviously a huge drain. So they've set up um, a fund that anybody can contribute to. We'll post the link to that fund on our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com, and then Scott, maybe you'd want to post it too. Um, but basically the goal that they've set is $20,000 as of today, we're recording the show on Friday. What's the date? August 30th. Yeah. Um, they've raised $14,684. So they're about $5,000 short of their goal. And I'm sure even that goal is too low. You know, $20,000 won't get you far getting, getting chemo or whatever is needed. I doubt they're going to do chemo at this stage, but, um, so it's a super sad situation and unfortunate. I, I oh, by the way, um, the lost and found collection. Are you familiar with that? Those yeah. found photo- photos yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, Doug. 
Doug Walker. They've done a fantastic job um, supporting buttons the last week or two. I've seen a lot of Facebook posts, and they've unearthed some, unearthed some awesome photos, archived photos of buttons, um, surfing photos and portraits and stuff. So I've enjoyed just seeing those again. Um, and they certainly epitomize and represent what you're talking about, that super kind nature, kind of youthful exuberance that I think surfing, you know, that that's what surfing should be. And so um, I've personally never met him. I don't know anybody in his family or anything like that. But I my first memories of him were growing up in Orange County, there was this period of time when in the mid-90s where whatever cable uh, company we were using received H3O do you remember that show? Vaguely. Dude, it was this Hawaiian-produced television yeah, show. Yeah, Mike Latronic Yeah, Mike Latronic, right. Hawaiian, heavy water, something yeah. or another. Um, and so, like, I didn't know when it came on, but I'd run into it occasionally, you know? And I was just, I loved it, because there was no content back then in the 90s. And, um, and that's where I was introduced to Buttons. Kind of the same thing that you're talking about. He was just super happy-go-lucky, always smiling, paddling out, giving thumbs up to the cameraman or whatever. And... On top of that, he shredded. Absolutely. Like, doing those spinning 360, like, come out of the barrel at, like, Velzyland or something. Spinning 360, riding single fins, doing mean old turns. Yeah. So, um, I was just like, dude, that guy rips. And he shredded. He looks like a MMA fighter would now or something, you know? Yeah, he was very much, um, had that flair that we spoke about that you see in Dane Reynolds surfing now, where it's just spontaneous. And back then... Doing a 360 on a single fin was a pretty big deal. Heck like, yeah. you know what I mean? Even though it was a spinning one or whatever. But, yeah. But, I mean. It was rad. He really just, yeah, you know, not to beat a dead horse or, that's a horrible pun, but my point is, is that he really just, um, you never saw him in a contest jersey. No. You know, like he really epitomized free surfing and just go have fun. Go surfing. Yeah. And just do it, you yeah. know. So GoFundMe.com. There you go. And okay. if you search for buttons, I'm sure his personal, you know, that link will come up. GoFundMe.com. Yeah, and again, we'll post the links on our website. So um, definitely, if you can even donate five or ten, I noticed a lot of the donations actually were five to thirty bucks. You know, so um, anything would help, and it's definitely a good cause. And you know what? I mean, have you donated some money? No, I'm going to donate money because here's one of the things I, yeah, I I never ask my listeners to donate unless I donate. So you you can be guaranteed that I'm going to donate some money. David and I will donate. I'll commit to it for sure. I just started digging into it last night in preparation for this, but I definitely will. Um, cool. Moving forward. Want to talk about shark attacks? Sure. Shark attacks. So that's been a kind of big topic, not only in surfing, but in the news, um, there's been five deaths since 2011, shark attacks um, that resulted in deaths in Reunion Island. So Reunion Island, if you're into surfing, you'll probably know it uh, because Jeremy Flores is from there. Um, who else was from there? There's a couple of pro surfers. Romain Clotier is from there, a couple of guys. But it's basically in the Indian Ocean, population of 800,000. It's overseas department of France. And um, it's right off, it's an island off the coast of Madagascar, off East Africa. And it's a large European vacation spot. Right. So there's been five deaths due to shark attacks since 2011. There was two recently, one of which was a 36-year-old male surfer who was on his honeymoon, which is pretty heavy. And then the other one was a 15-year-old girl... um, who was 15 feet offshore yeah. swimming with her buddy, with her friend. They were snorkeling. She got bit in half. Yeah. 
And the shark took half her body. Yeah, and so. her sister was on the beach and saw the whole thing go down. Really gruesome stuff. Yeah, really gnarly. Like, doesn't get any more visual than that. I right. Think. So, obviously, that's all very tragic. And the way that the, the local government has responded to it is they've um, prohibited board surfing and water sports on the main surf spot there, St. Lou, I think is how it's pronounced. Um and some other areas of the island. So no more surfing there. Romain Clotier, you know, is from that spot. And he's like, I will hope to be able to surf my home break again someday. Um, so that's kind of the big controversy. The other part of the controversy is that the government has announced plans to kill 90 sharks. That's in addition to 24 that they've already killed. Um, to try to obviously stem the attacks. So those are the details. Well, that's, that's, it, it brings up a lot. There's a lot involved in this story. And, um, you know, we'll try to touch on some of it. And hopefully you guys can send us some emails and give us some insight if you have any. But, you know, the first thing that comes to mind for me is, um, is how can a government tell us as individual surfers especially? I mean, you know, if, if any lifestyle, you know, embodied individualism, you would think it would be surfing and surfers. So... It's really hard for me to swallow the fact that a government's going to tell me I can't paddle out. Yeah. I have a big issue with that. Yeah. And um, that sort of cuts to the core of, you know, even back to in the day when my dad would take my surfboard and say, you can't go surfing. And I mean, you, you want to talk about drumming up some, some deep resentment. You know, that's how you do it. When you tell a surfer he can't paddle out, that's right. a big deal. And, um, but it also speaks to how selfish we are, you yeah, know, like, for sure. Because the bigger picture is, hey, man, you know, why don't we try to get the situation under control and have nobody else die? And then if we can figure it out, then, you know, then we'll allow you to go back out. And so the French government is doing, you know, they're, they've, as you mentioned, they've, they've basically, there's a prohibition uh, on water sports. Right. right. And, um, but I'm concerned about, it seems to me that the French government just went, holy crap, we've got a major PR issue. We're losing millions of uh, vacation dollars in St. Lou. What are we going to do? On let's kill some sharks. Well, for, <laughs> first, let's say you don't go in the ocean. Yeah. And then let's kill some sharks. And then in about three months, since no one will have been in the ocean, we can say, look, it's all good again. And we'll invite people back and our tax base will go up and we'll have yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. So I think that there's definitely... The flawed logic is, for tourism's sake... Let's make these, let's take these measures. Well, how do you think tourists are going to feel if you're slaying 90 sharks? You know what I mean? That's yeah. not going to go over well in the press. So, um, now what about the fish farms? Because yeah. I think the fish farms are a part of this story that, that are important. So my understanding is the government hasn't really advertised that, but the first I heard about it was Jeremy Flores being interviewed after a heat win at the Billabong Pro and um, GT or whoever was asking him, like, hey, man, what's going on with that situation in Reunion? And Jeremy's response was like, it's tragic. The deaths are tragic. And I can't really get into it, but those who are from Reunion know what's really going on here. And, and... Um, so read between the it lines. It seemed like, yeah, like there was something going on. And so reading Romain Clotier's quote, which I found on Surfline... Uh, I'll just read it for you. It yeah. says, the politicians are being really stupid about this. Their stories are crazy. They did a big 19-kilometer natural reserve on the west coast of the island, and you can't fish there anymore. No spear fishing, no jet skis. So all the sharks are coming closer to eat because there's more fish. Another reason for the shark attacks is the fish farming on the west coast. 
It's a big fight between the e ecologist government and the surfer slash fishermen. I hope one day I'll be able to surf my home break again. So I guess they've eliminated fishing on one side, so tons of sharks are coming in to eat fish. And then they've set up fish farming on the other side, which creates the same result. Yeah. So both things are human intervention. You know, the ecosystem has a natural order of things, and, and generally surfers don't get eaten by sharks. Humans have gotten involved in this scenario and kind of upset the order, I think, a little bit. And the local surfers are aware of that, and maybe that's what they're commenting about. I don't think that Romaine nor Jeremy Flores are experts on you know shark attacks or anything yeah. but but they still have a valid opinion yeah um so yeah i don't know i don't know what the answer is well i don't either obviously um i i personally do not have a problem with calling the locals shark population um it's something that if it's done right and done in a scientific fashion and and done with some forethought not just like a mass let's go out and kill and have vengeance you know yeah. if it's thought through it's my understanding that this is done in a lot of, um, you know, regions. I don't know how I would best describe it. But, for instance, it's my understanding that they do this for bear populations in certain areas. Sure. And they, they do this for, like, deer populations. and so, You know, it's just when there gets to be too many of a certain species. Yeah. And granted, it is, again, human uh, intervention, which isn't obviously proven to be not so smart. But, you know, my thing is, look. They went and killed the shark that, that, that took Bethany Hamilton's arm. Yeah. Billy Hamilton went out at night against the law and killed it and strung it up, and everyone went, way to go. And I'm, I'm actually one of those that said, way to go. Yeah. This was a um, sort of a known rogue predator shark that was problematic. Yeah. And um, so, you know, I guess if you're going to have this fish farm and all these sharks are going to come to you and, and your reaction is, well, let's just kill sharks, well, guess what? You're going to be killing sharks for a long time if the fish right. are right there. So we need to... You know, they need to step back and think it through. Exactly. From, they need to have a, a sort of a scientific understanding of exactly all the issues. Yeah. So one interview that I saw posted basically on all the websites that were discussing this, it was the same interview with some shark expert, and I didn't get his name. But um, he was kind of saying, look, the government's being really reactionary. And there are proven ways to deal with this problem because we've dealt with it in Brazil, I guess, in the 90s, and we've dealt with it before, and we've dealt with it with other animal populations. So um, they need to kind of take a step back and not just emotionally go kill 90 sharks. You know, it needs to be, like you said, done strategically, but also then make adjustments in the farming aspect strategically and will eventually kind of... And taper this down, I guess, would be the right way to put it. It's always going to be a sharky place. There will be shark attacks there more than there are, you know, in Southern California or something. But um, I, I think what ultimately is unfortunately going to happen is, like, almost the first thing that popped up for me was a link to photos from Sea Shepherd that posted um, real controversial photos of Hong Kong with 10,000 shark fins drying out on the roof and quotes that, Estimates of 40 million to 78 million sharks are killed commercially every year for shark fins. And and so that slight, that um, angle is going to get a lot of news play, you know. And I don't think that's exactly what's happening in Reunion, of course. I would agree with that. But I, I, I challenge anyone to show me which of those fins is a great white shark or a target shark. They're not. They're this another smaller species of shark. Doesn't mean it's okay. Yeah. But the ones that are attacking us, 
they're not getting those fins for shark fin soup. Right. Yeah, but the photos are captivating. You're like, oh my gosh, it's terrible. You yeah, know? And yeah, so for sure. It plays on emotion, and I'm not sure that's really what's happening. I think it's apparent that the local government needs outside insight into this or, or more scientific kind of advice before they move forward with the killing. But yeah, you get the feeling that the, that the tourism department, the Chamber of Commerce and Reunion Islands going, do something and do something now. And yeah. Instead of thinking it through, because surfing pop tourism is going to go down because of the killings, and then other tourism is going to go down because of the bad press. So yeah, they need to make something happen. Um, moving on, final topic. Final what do you, topic. What do you got? Um, well, we could talk. We could be self-serving and talk about the boardroom in Orange County. Well, let's end the show. Definitely talking about that. Do you want to? Or is yeah? Yeah, we're good. Okay, let's good. Just, let's, good, just good, good. Round, let's just wrap it up. Sounds good. So um, We'll talk about surfing in the Olympics next time. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's not going to change anytime soon, so that'll be a hot topic <laughs> next time. But the boardroom show, actually, is a more timely topic. So what's... Tell me about the boardroom show. Yeah. Um, well, I've got, actually got two. I'm doing one in Orlando, Florida next weekend. What is it? It's um, a surfboard show with all the top... Floridian and East Coast shapers basically displaying their wear, celebrating, exalting the um, the craft of building a surfboard, of shaping and laminating, and all, everything that goes into it. Um, you know, we're going to have uh, we're paying homage, if you will, to uh, Rich Price, who's a great guy and a legendary uh, East Coast shaper, and actually a guy who um, you know. One of the fun things about these shows is I get to learn a lot about these these icons that we're honoring, and I yeah. didn't know, for instance. That, Rich Price cut his chops up in Santa Cruz at Doug Hout's um, factory and, um, you know, did, does a lot of shaping in Japan. He's actually uh, an international known shaper. So we're going to be honoring Rich Price. And uh, then we've also got another shaping bay, a shaping bay where we'll be honoring, or we won't be honoring, but we'll be um, asking shapers to craft a board out of a chunk of foam, just a square block of foam, you know, go find the surfboard within that square chunk of foam so um there's a lot of events we've got music we've you know it's just a great chance for the surfing public to kind of come face to face with the people in the industry that makes the boards and um and it's neat you know it's it's tr i think american i think i think every not just americans but I, I think um the general populace is sort of striving for authenticity you yeah. know we have so much prepackaged stuff that when there's somebody that actually makes something with their hands be it a guitar or a surfboard or a cabinetry or whatever it is it's it's fascinating, you know, yeah. it's, it's it, it, because we can sense that there's some true craftsmanship and there's obviously passion involved and it's off, you know, that that is authenticity. So it's good. Awesome. So the rich price is being honored. You said that the, you're going to have shapers, you know, compete and carve a board out of a block of foam. And that is in the style of rich price or is that related? Oh, uh, that one's actually different. We've, that's different. Yeah, okay. we're actually um, we're having the shapers spin a wheel, and it, whatever design it lands on, they're going to be asked to try to replicate a design similar to that. The Rich Price one, um, Rich has picked a board from um, one of the Richard Cram models that he shaped for Richard Cram way back in the '80s, and so those guys will be trying to replicate that. Awesome. And then um, out here on the West Coast, October 5th and 6th, we're doing the same show, the okay. boardroom on the West Coast, and we're honoring Terry Martin. Um, you know, sadly passed away about 18 months ago. Um, Terry Martin was just um, an iconic production shaper for many labels, most notably the Hobie label. And um, 
he, he, like Rich Price, just a great human being. You know, it's so neat that when we honor these shapers, you also find out what great people they are. And so we're super stoked to be honoring Terry Martin in Costa Mesa, October 5th and 6th. And again, tons of surfboards, tons of surfboard shapers, tons of the industry is going to be there. It's open to the public. We'll have live music. We'll have laminating demos, um, skateboards, surfboards, uh, and the entire surf industry is going to descend upon the Orange County Fairgrounds for that. So excited. What's the website? The website, boardroomshow.com. Okay. We'll post links to it on our websites as well. Um, I think... I mean, I'm super into surfing, obviously, and I've grown up surfing, and my awareness and understanding of board building is so um, small, you know, and I've really gotten into it recently, and I've, and with the podcast, it's like I've been interviewing shapers, um, and so I've learned a lot, and these guys, I mean, it's just among the more fascinating stories in surfing. These guys just like, obviously, working with professional surfers adds a lot of interest and richness to their story, but... um they're artists and they're craftsmen and it's like dude these guys are legit craftsmen i mean and you don't make money doing it the profit (laughs) margins are so small you're not doing it for glory so i feel like at some distant point in the future maybe it will be revered as great as painting or some other form of art but right now man we're in this primary stage where it'd be like in the south of france in the 1800s going to the cafe with the Impressionists, you know, where Van Gogh and Gauguin are drinking coffee or wine or whatever. It's like we're in that right now. And these guys are fully accessible. Um, I mean, even the top guys, I interviewed Rusty a while back and I'm like, yeah, you know, so iconic. Like, what are the odds that somebody, if they order a board, that it's shaped by you? He's like, all they got to do is ask. They could call me up. They could walk in the front door and ask. And I'm right here. I'm like, really? I'm like, oh, I think people are lining up. He's like, no, man, just come on down. I'll spend 20 minutes trying to figure out what you want, you know? And um, so I think that's amazing. And that's a really rare moment that we have going on right now. And absolutely, it's great that the boardroom show honors that and kind of pays homage to it. Because the other thing is a lot of those guys are living legends. Like, they're alive. They're iconic and they're legendary, but man, they're still kicking. So, and they're still making boards. So you can get works of art still made today, you know? So I, um, not to, not to plug my own show too much, but, um, I did an episode with Eric Arakawa. Yeah. Super interesting. Dude. Yeah. I mean, really, uh, like iconic craftsmen working with Andy Irons and all sorts of people, but also very astute businessman, like he invented the nose guard. He's built these brands you know multiple businesses so he's just real you think of craftsman and businessman as being two separate mindsets but he's equally adept at both um and then just this past week i published an episode with tom Parrish, who lightning bolt shaper worked with jerry lopez um and he's got a fascinating story um he actually was involved in starting he was shaping boards for jeff hackman basically and so he and hackman started quicksilver USA together brought the licensing over from Australia so that whole saga and story was just fascinating yeah Yeah, and that's all that's all in the podcast so um and then I mean I'm not going to get too much into it but it's really interesting and then you you mentioned Santa Cruz I'm doing an episode that's going to feature I'm editing it right now the interviews are all done but it's going to feature you mentioned Doug Hout yeah interviewed Hout yeah interviewed Bob Pearson at Arrow Ward Coffey Steve Coletta and Michelle Juneau. Yeah. Um, 
So I'm going to kind of edit all five interviews into one hour-long episode, and I'm really excited about that because those guys, it's homegrown up there. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, and even though they're competition, they're all buddy-buddy sharing ideas with each other, and yeah. it's really, really cool stuff. Yeah, good. So. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Those guys are all, like you said, Santa Cruz in general is just so thick with authentic surf culture it's just incredible it is surf city michelle Junot was saying there's more shapers per capita in santa cruz than anywhere else yeah i believe so, it yeah you know and again you want a board built you go in there and you talk to them yeah. there's no ordering online you know <laughs> <laughs> so well, exactly right good well so, um so go to the boardroom show this yeah. is your opportunity it's the biggest show of the year right the in terms of, show. yeah yeah so if you're on the on the east coast uh, Orlando, what are the dates? September 7th and 8th. It's next weekend. Right. It's yeah. coming up quick. So, yeah. And then in Orange County? October 5th and 6th at the Orange, Orange County Costa Mesa Fairgrounds West there. West Coast. Just. So, I mean, if you're interested at all, you, I mean, even if you're not actively engaged, just go and be a looky-loo because you'll get to see things that you wouldn't ever get to see otherwise. Yeah. It's the biggest show of the year. So yeah. now's Thanks. the time. Yeah. Thanks, um, David. You know what? My um, email is surftalksandiego at gmail.com. So if you want to send me an email, surftalksandiego at gmail.com. And David, what's your email? Email is hello at surfsplendorpodcast.com. So just go to surfsplendorpodcast.com and everything's there. And again, I say engage on social media. That's the best way to do it because other people can see it and then we can track. You know, if people leave comments and... Um, I want to get feedback and I want to hear like this format for me is totally different than the previous shows. Do you like this format? Cool. We'll do more of it. Do you have suggestion for alternative format? We'll do more of that. So I'm willing, I've got ideas on my own, but I'm totally willing to uh, tailor make a show for what you guys want. So just let us know. How about this? How about what are the top five stories that need to be told in our surf sphere? Top five stories. Let's, Let's leave on that note and have you listeners think about that. Send us emails. What are the top five stories that aren't being told that need to be told? That's a fantastic topic. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Until next time, David, thank you. Yeah, thanks, Scott. All right, Surf Splendor listeners. Um, Thanks again for letting us try out that new format. I hope you liked it. Whether you did or whether you didn't, again, let me know. And um, my idea is that we can introduce that format one, uh, as an ongoing series and have episodes once a month, which are this exact format. Maybe with Scott every time, maybe with a guest host each time, you know? And we'll just discuss hot topics in surfing. So um, thanks again for listening. Uh, If you're new to the show, you can find us at surfsplendorpodcast.com. You can find us on iTunes. Click the subscribe button there and shows will automatically be downloaded to your computer. And find us on social media at Surf Splendor. And we'll post all the links um, to the videos and the images and buttons, um, uh, GoFundMe page. Uh, All that stuff will be posted on our website. So surfsplendorpodcast.com. You can see it all there. Thanks again for supporting the show. Share it with a friend. We'll see you guys next week with the episode about surf filmmaking. Thanks. Bye.